Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Shot of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes, and today on Sweet Shot of Time, we're a bunch of sweet children. We decided to watch Jesus Christ Superstar this week. I did that with two of my children here. One of them is from one of my stories, and you've been hearing her a lot on this podcast. It's Lindsay Dunn. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy there, Steve. I feel like I should be singing everything that I say, but... (laughs) I will I will resist that temptation because it comes across weird on the microphone. But I'm here for some Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice magic. Yes. Yeah, I um had to had to promise Heather that I wouldn't break in the song for any of this as well. Because I'm I'm really into musicals and I'm really into this particular musical. So I swear I will not break out in the song at any time. I'm actually no promises. But um, speaking of songs, I'm going to bring in our next guy. Okay, and let me bring in my next sweetie. You know him from the 1899 podcast. You know him from being the Void Master. He's the leader of that band. It's Nate Dunn. Ahoy there, Nate. Ahoy, Steve. <sighs> Nate. <laughs> you sound like you already have some kind of problem. What's up, Nate? <laughs> we'll get into it. Oh, you're Ready? you're you're still reveling from the uh, the wonderment that is the movie that we watched this week. Ooh, reveling is a word <laughs> that I definitely don't know if I would use. Okay, okay. Well, hmm. Where do we go from there then? I'll 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 start this off by saying that that Lindsay and I are a few years older than Nate, and Lindsay and I have also <laughs> have already seen Jesus Christ Superstar in our lives, and I think this is Nate's. First viewing of Jesus Christ Superstar. Is that correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Let's so all remember, ask... let's all recall, though, before before you go further, that Nate said, can we please watch Jesus Christ Superstar? Because <laughs> I've never seen it. So he, you know, you threw out several suggestions and even said, you can pick the first movie if you want, Nate. And Nate said, no, let's please do it. Let's do Jesus Christ Superstar. I really, 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 really want to watch that movie. Maybe there weren't quite that many reallys in there, but he affirmed this choice, Steve. So he he asked for it. I did. I mean, he's a really giving person. He uh, he did 1899 <laughs> with me and didn't really enjoy that. He did Under the Skin with us. He didn't really enjoy that. Um, <laughs> doing know. Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> we'll see how he likes this one. He's taking it like a champ. I took it like something. (laughs) I guess I first want to get into why I chose this movie. I didn't choose it to torture anyone. I chose this movie because I unabashedly love this movie. I have a heavy bias towards this movie. Within the first seven minutes, I'll just tell you right now, I had to pause this movie and turn to Heather as I was getting emotional and like I was tearing up and I was like, is, is this really corny or is this super moving to you? She was like, I, I think it might be kind of corny and me with tears in my eyes. I was like, yeah, I think it might be, but this still really does something to me. It hits me in a certain way because I first saw this movie when I was, I think 16 an impressionable young. Um, I wouldn't say I was an atheist, but I was definitely agnostic. Um, church, going to church as a child for me was viewed as a punishment. We either went like only once a year or like if me and my sister got in trouble, 
we were trotted to church and it wasn't, wasn't, you know, we didn't really have a good relationship with the church and I didn't really have a good relationship with, um, with any sort of religion, honestly. So around this time, when I was 16, my friend, Sam and myself, Sam, also a very secular individual and a third friend of his, uh, Paul Burnett from you, you might know him, Nate from he wolf and from, uh, darkest hour. He was a bass player for darkest hour for five albums. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, was, he was a regular churchgoer, and he came to Sam's house and was like, we saw this fantastic movie during Sunday school. There was this, like, disco guy out in the desert, and there was, like, tanks shooting him, and it was, like, the, the best music I've ever heard in my life. This movie is awesome. So we, like, took Paul's word for it, checked it out. We listened to the album first because, you know, Paul saw the movie in Sunday school. But we didn't have the movie on hand, but we did have the album, the Jesus Christ Superstar album, which has like Ian Gillen from Deep Purple singing vocals on it. And it's just, it's a fantastic album. And Ian Gillen does a great job of Je- as Jesus. And, you know, we all fell for it. And we, we loved this album. We played it on a regular rotation. When we saw the movie... Uh, we didn't love the movie as much as we loved the album, but we still had a very strong connection to it. Thanks to Carl Anderson, I believe. I believe the Judas is is the star of this movie in my eyes that won me over. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, I've seen the I've seen the Broadway play. Um, I saw it with Carl Anderson. I saw Carl Anderson as Judas and live in person. It was amazing. So I have a really strong connection to this movie. Heather does as well. So I'm going to start with Lindsay. Um, cause you have seen this movie before as well. And, um, I later on, you know, became affiliated with the church and I later on became baptized. Um, I'm no longer go to church now, but you know, I, I did go through an arc in my life with religion and I think this movie really helped me out. So now I'm going to kick it over to you, Lindsay. Like at what point in your life did you see this movie for the first time? Well, I think I actually got introduced to this movie through the other musical that Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice did together, which is, I'm sure they did several, but the other Bible-based musical, which is Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which, by the way, I think is the superior of the two. What? But, (laughs) yes, musically, it definitely is. (laughs) Okay. So my first exposure to this was through a stage musical, a stage version that came to Durham. And it's come to Durham several times since then. I've seen it twice on stage. And that was quite an experience because I had never seen it before. And I think growing up, I'm a person who grew up in the church, so we were sort of taught to be very skeptical of any portrayals of Jesus you would see, especially if you knew they didn't Mm -hmm. come from, if they didn't come from Christians. Like if you knew the person wasn't a professing Christian and they were going to make a movie about Jesus, you should reproach it with fear and trembling and skepticism at all times. Sure. But I did enjoy the songs because I like musicals too. And just the way that it portrays things in the in the Bible in a different way than you might anticipate that you were going to see it or that just hadn't hit you in a certain way before. Some of the songs are really 
amazing and help you process the feelings of the characters in a way that you haven't before. I then saw the movie and I'll agree like the movie is is good but it's not I don't find the talent in the movie. Some of the talent is the same but mm-hmm. I don't think like the Jesus for instance which is a pretty big character I don't like his portrayal of Jesus as much as in the Broadway album that you're referencing and oh, other agreed. other performances I've seen. So just and also it is a very it's very of its time. It's very 1970s the yeah the um the imagery is anachronistic but it is very 1970s. So it's a lot to process when you're watching it. But still, I just I really like Andrew Lloyd Webber. I like his I like musicals. So I enjoyed the experience this time watching it. I've, I've I saw Jesus Christ Superstar on stage probably a couple years ago. The last time again last year, um, a man that is in my small group at church asked if anybody had seen the movie before and wanted to get a group together to watch it. So we did that and that actually kicked off me leading a movie group at church, which was really oh, yeah, cool. That's cool. So I kind of have it's a movie that's definitely been in my life a lot. Me watching the movie last week in preparation for this podcast, I'm like, oh, some of these lyrics are not good. You know, so mm-hmm. I have some, you know, I have some critiques that way. But overall, I think it's I'm glad it was made and I love certain characters, which we can we can talk about later, but I have favorite characters just like everybody does. And um, so and I think it's, you know, we talked we'd have a our Wawa podcast. Please go back and listen to that sometime if you have a chance. <laughs> but there was there's this thing that we talked about. Everybody has a Wawa that if you if you like Wawa, there's like, what's your Wawa? And that's why I was sending, you know, I found that video of Alice Cooper performing. It's like everybody with Jesus Christ Superstar (laughs) has their favorite Jesus and their favorite Judas Mm -hmm, and their favorite mm -hmm. Pilate. So it's always fun to say, well, who's your Jesus and who's your, you know, so um, I think that's what's fun about Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals that people start to rally around certain performers they think were the better of these characters. So, yeah. Heck yeah, I want to go off all, all the stuff that you're saying, but I don't want to cut our boy Nate short. Yes. So Nate, we just told our stories about how we how we've seen it and how we've grown up with it. Have you ever um, seen any parodies of Jesus Christ Superstar or heard any of these songs or have any kind of like um, I don't know any association with it before now? Um. So the name has been tossed around in my house before because my sister um has been involved with musicals pretty much since they allowed her to get up on stage (laughs) so that's all that from her room growing up that's all you ever heard was different musicals and things like that (laughs) um and i've certainly heard some of these tunes the only i i don't really know which one it was um but i was also in church as a young man and uh we used to do 
the whole vacation Bible school thing. And we had this one guy that would come in every year and he would sing the same songs every year. (laughs) And one year he came in and I remember him saying from a movie or something like that. And he starts belting it out. And then when I was watching the movie the other day, I was like, that song is the song that we all like, you know, we're, we're like, 12 year old kids were like some of the older kids like the 16 17 year old kids they were singing along but we're all just like yeah great this is awesome like we don't know the words so that was really my only exposure to it prior i've never watched it before what song was this that he uh that he brought to you guys i i literally do not (laughs) know who sings it in the movie there's a lot of people singing. The whole movie is singing. <laughs> you're gonna start. You're gonna start me on the tangent, and it's. <laughs> I feel like it's too early. Okay, maybe it's too early. Well then, well okay, well then, um, just straight up then, Nate. Here, here is your chance. So, um, we've already given our opinion of the movie. So, what did you think upon seeing this movie? Just general consensus. Removing my already apparent distaste for musicals i will Uh, rate this i will so i can tolerate before anybody jumps on me because i know that this does have a lot of cultural significance to a lot of people and a lot of people enjoy it personally without even recognizing that it's dated or anything like that i just don't i don't like it at all i don't like the interpretation of any of the biblical characters I mean, I know that from the little bit of extra research I did, I know that that was a big thing for people, that they were very – one of the big issues is that it didn't portray the, the biblical characters in the way that people want them to be portrayed. Um, you know, I'm very much under the Bible is up for interpretation if you want to interpret things however you, you'd like. I mean, teach their own. But uh, that – there are a lot of things that like, because there's no true dialogue, I don't, I don't understand what's going Like, I, I don't get it. Like there are certain things that just were so out of pocket, whether it was to try to be funny, that's fine. I mean, I guess at a moment you think it's funny, but there's no explanation to make it relevant. I'm going to, I'm going to say that this was, I regret, I regret saying to quote Lindsay, I really, 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 really want to watch this. <laughs> so can I ask, I'd like to ask you a question, Nate. Sure. Were you not aware that this was a musical? No, I uh, I was not. Um, and when the opening number hit and things like that, I kind of instantly went, okay, this is a musical. But it's it's not even a musical it's an opera it's a broadway play yeah there's <laughs> there's no dialogue and correct to lindsay's point um some of the lyrics like we tried to fit them in there and that's <laughs> part of the thing that i was like Oof. like if it was if the lyrics were I don't want to say super well written because there are parts that 
I didn't write any notes on what was a well-written part, but there were some parts that I was like, oh, okay, like, that was, I'll give it to you, like, that was kind of clever, but there's a lot of parts between characters that they're conversing, you can't, no one can see the air quotes, conversing, <laughs> um, that it would have been much better if they would have just made a dialogue and not tried to cram some some kind of melody into it. Well, I will correct you. There is the part um, where Judas started yelling at Mary, and then Simon goes, hey, man, cool it. So there was some dialogue <laughs> right there. And then at the very end, Jesus says, Father, Jesus into your hands I commend my spirit. And that's yeah. dialogue as well. So I just need to correct you that there is a little bit of dialogue in there. Not much, but there's some. I, I will <laughs> accept that. I got to accept your I got to accept your opinion here cuz like I said I'm I really have rose colored glasses on with this movie. It's hard like as soon as I saw it happening that's why I paused it after 7 minutes in because I was like seeing that opening scene and like how much it meant to me when I first saw it and like for me it was magical. I'm like swept into their world, their little hippie world and I'm watching all the characters come out and then I see Judas run off and do his thing. And then he starts his powerful song and like, I'm just, I'm just lost in the lyrics. I'm lost in the message. And like, like I said, I had to pause it and be like, I, I really think I'm really heavily biased towards this. And my wife and myself were worried about, we were worried about you, Nate. I was like, this might not be as great as I remember it being. Um, I don't know where to go from there because you say you, you, you hated it and I can't blame you. Like you don't like musicals. Like I don't necessarily like, you know, certain genres of movies either. So like if I was presented with one, I would immediately mm -hmm. be like, Oh, it's one of these. Great. <laughs> I got to sit mm -hmm. through this now. So yeah, I, I, I can appreciate that. And I can appreciate that. Yes. Um, we were pointing out some of like the very seventies um, inspired lyrics to some of these passages that got thrown in there and they, they don't stand the test of time too well. I would argue though, that like 80% of the lyrics do stand the test of time. Um, that's just my argument um, as a very biased person, <laughs> I guess you would say. Well, um, I don't, I think like for me, I don't like when they, when you force in rhymes, but and then I had to think, well, they had to, they were trying to fit in a Bible story into lyrics. So you have to give them like, they had limitations and sometimes that has risks to it. But I do think, right. I feel, but then at the same time, I'm like, but this is lyrics by Tim Rice. He's supposed to be a lyrical genius. And yes. so, but I think um, <laughs> Like certain songs that I think are pretty brilliant, the Gethsemane song where Jesus is praying in the garden. I think that song, the lyrics are really good. I also mentioned I have a favorite character, so that would be Pilot. So I like most all of his songs and think they're well rendered. And, and just the idea of the apostles being like hippies in the desert is pretty clever to think of this. They have this um, repeating phrase of what's the buzz and they keep kind of saying that. And so some of the ways that it's, that it's used throughout the song in different contexts, you have to, you know, you kind of appreciate it or I do. And, but 
yeah, it's during some of the parts when people are having conversations and then they also, for some reason, think the lyrics have to rhyme for it to work. That's when I was going, oh, that's that's kind of dumb, you know, but but it's it's a mixture for me. It's a mixed bag of of like moments of brilliance. But yeah, kind of cheesy, but for but for me, like I'm going, OK, I'm enjoying just absorbing the story of the passion from this from this different perspective because I like Bible stories. So I like it from that perspective. And also because it's a musical and because it's a rock musical, now it didn't work for Nate. But I think for a lot of people, it's going to be watched by somebody maybe who wouldn't normally go to church. And I like the fact that you can you can watch it with somebody and be like, well, what did you get out of it? Or how did it speak to you differently than maybe it spoke to me because mm-hmm. of of your where you're coming from. So I think those are those are positive things about the movie. Sure. Like in my case, me and my buddy Sam, completely secular, no interest in church, no interest in religion, saw this movie, suddenly were like, are was that the way the Bible really was? Was this accurate portrayal? You know, when we really got into it and this was like a stepping stone, like for us to start getting into religion and seeing it, seeing Christianity in a more positive way. Um, otherwise, I don't know if I would have like I met my wife, Heather, and she got me into church because she was heavily involved in church, a heavy Christian at the time, whereas I was not. But I was very open to Christianity because I knew all these songs. <laughs> Not necessarily so, but you know, this really, like, I do think it was a big stepping stone for myself personally. And yeah, we gotten some of the criticisms out of the way. So one of the things that's bothered me as well is like the syncopation of the lyrics over the music. I really prefer the album because the syncopation is perfect. Whereas in, in this movie, they're kind of like singing over top of the beat sometimes and kind of playing around with the beat. I didn't really love that. Um, I didn't love this Jesus. Um, I was a big fan of Ian Gillen and like the the Gethsemane song is my favorite song on the Broadway album that Ian Gillen sings. Definitely not my favorite song in the movie, however, because I just don't like the way that that this Jesus portrayed it. Um, So that's another complaint is like our main star Um, that, you know, the costumes, the sets, um, not, I'm, I'm not the sets, I'm sorry. The costumes and the props are all pretty cheap and the transitions between scenes are not really that great. So with all that being said, I mean, out of five stars, I have to give it a full five stars. It's, it's, this movie blows me away. So let's go ahead and get into our next segment now, if we can, please. <laughs> <clears throat> Okay. (laughs) So yeah, Tim Bryce is our lyricist here and Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber. Don't forget to leave his title out now, Lindsay, when you say his name, he's Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber. Now Um, they did this back in 1970 and they got together like an all-star cast to do an album because they wanted to do the album first. They had the play in mind, of course, but the first thing they released was the album in 1970. So they had um, Ian Gillen was as Jesus. We had, um, what's his first, Murray Head played uh, Judas. 
Yvonne Elman, the same Mary that we see in this movie, also sang on the album as well. Also on the album, um, you'll hear the same voices of Caiaphas, Annas, and Simon. They went from the album to the movie to the Broadway play, like they did all three. Um, so 1970, they released the album to get people into the songs and get people to know them. Then they did the Broadway play, of course. And some of these folks made it to the play. I really wish that Murray Head and Ian Gillen had been part of that original cast, but they were, they were not stage performers. They were just singers. So this movie came out in 1973. And upon the release of this play and this movie, because I got feedback about, the feedback about both is kind of the same. And Lindsay really hit on it before. Um, at least I believe it was Lindsay that hit on it before that like, um, when you're portraying Jesus and you're portraying his story, it's not always going to be met positively. Um, and that's true. A lot of um, Jewish leaders viewed this movie as like anti-Semitic for some reason. They said that the uh, the Judas character was insidious. Uh, Catholics and Protestants did not like this movie. They called it blasphemous because it insinuated that Jesus had sex. And it also insinuated that Jesus, that uh, Judas went to heaven at the end, and they didn't like that aspect of it. However, the Pope at the time um, wholeheartedly endorsed this movie, and he said um, he believed it would bring uh, secular people to Christianity. Uh, of course, a lot of religious leaders didn't agree with him, but that's what the Pope had to say about it. Uh, Rolling Stone said about this movie, this movie had too much spunk to be considered sacrilegious. But miscasting and tonal and tonal monotony halts the groove, which, you know, I can't really fault him for that, <laughs> that reception either. This movie was made, if you believe it, on a three point five million dollar budget. Not sure where all that money went. <laughs> the movie made twenty five point five million dollars in the box office, so it definitely made all its money back. OK, so you mentioned that the album was released first. It was. Um, but they wanted to make the musical, but they couldn't get the funding until the album came out. So that was sort of like, oh. let's put out an album. And then it worked. The, the ploy worked. So then they got the funding. <laughs> um, also, uh, Tim Rice took inspiration from a Bob Dylan song for, for the musical, which was, um, it's called with God on our side. So I listened to that song. I couldn't really tell what the tie-in was, but apparently <laughs> he listened to that song and got inspired to write the songs that he wrote for Jesus Christ Superstar. Hmm. And I think it is also interesting to note that it is filmed on location in, uh, in Palestine. So that seems significant, especially with our current events in the world, that they did take the time. So maybe that's where the budget went, Steve. You know, they took the time to <laughs> travel. Yeah. Put everybody out in this probably a hard to reach area. They had to give the cast water and food and <laughs> places to stay. So I'm sure that um, but that that does for me, that also leads to some interest seeing it film kind of on location where these events would have actually taken place. You I know, wasn't even didn't. aware of that. That's good stuff. 
Yeah, they didn't like film it in in Utah or something, and then try to make it look like it was Israel. I don't know. They could have done a better job of shouting that from the rooftops because I I had no idea that that was the case. I just assumed, just like you said, that they just filmed it out in some random desert somewhere. But I mean, that does that does explain the the cheap the cheap costumes and the cheap sets because probably all their money went to travel and you know eating on location and. Yeah. Yeah, travel basically. They were they had to get permission from local authorities to go there and they were invited in because of the good relationships that um, you know, the England has with with those officials. So it's it's um it's an it's an interesting factor about the movie that I think I'm pleased about. It could have been they could have done it anywhere, but they they picked an authentic location. Yeah. Well, the musician on this album and in the movie and the play, uh, anytime you hear any like piano or synth or organ, that's our boy, Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber playing that music along. He, <laughs> um, he wrote all this music and he also played, you know, all the keys on it as well. Um, oh, one more, music, uh, sorry, oh, one yeah. more, I'm sorry. One more thing that I think you mentioned the, um, some people who weren't pleased. One of the things, one of the other factors they weren't pleased about, which I think this was the Catholic church was like the Judas. They were like, why did you pick a black person to play Judas? Like that was, (laughs) that was the thing that they had the problem with, which is kind of interesting because Jesus was not white. And I'm sure his Mm -hmm. disciples were not white either. So that's just an interesting, like, why did you pick on that factor? That's a, that's a great criticism of its time as well. You know, mm-hmm. that criticism aged like fine wine. I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't even talk about the plot here. The plot basically centers around Judas, how he's unhappy with uh, Jesus's rising popularity um, and how he believes that uh, people are putting Jesus above his message. And, um, very contemporary, I, I suppose you would call it at the time. Um, I guess that one of the things I liked about it first off, and I want to get into some observations and questions and the observation I wanted to first make to the group is the fact that this is a play. Um, you know, you were saying Nate that it, you know, it seems like an opera to you and I just kind of butted in and was like, well, it's a Broadway play. It's basically what they did here is they, they presented the play on film and they, they drove in with their van with all their props. And the first scene is them unloading all the props and getting dressed and getting into character. And then the last scene of the film is the exact opposite where they're, you know, packing everything up and, and leaving the set. So I really like the way they did that because it kind of gets you in, it kind of gets you from my opinion, it kind of gets you into the feel that you're about to watch a play that you're about to watch a production um, and of course the overture is like a tip as like a typical, um, overture that you would have for any classical music where the main themes are presented, um, within the overture. And then like, as you watch the movie, those themes come back into play. So just the fact that we're watching a play on film, that's like my, my observation. And it seems like you didn't really dig that so much, Nate. You think they could have done better with actual sets and dialogue? The sets, I, I 
found it to be very interesting. Well, it's pretty cool that they were able to film it on location. In terms of the dialogue, I look at it as I've been to quite a few musicals, like, you know, Sweeney Todd, is it South Pacific? And uh, like Footloose and all the other ones that my sister was in and even a couple (laughs) in actual theaters with professionals. And like there's still dialogue in those to help move the story along. I don't know if they just chose to sing the entire time because at this point or even at that point, everybody kind of had a good gist of the story. Even if you weren't going to church, you back then everyone kind of knew the story of Jesus and the betrayal of Jesus and all these other things. So maybe that's why they were able to get along with just singing it all out. <laughs> I think I, I truthfully think that that was my biggest. That's my biggest crux for the whole movie. Sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's fair. I mean, what about you, Lindsay? What did you think about the, the, the set design and the way they tried to portray like a play on film? You think that was successful or not? Yeah, I like that. You know, it's like a play within a play or play within a movie. You know, you notice the characters that are getting off the bus and are getting on the bus, you know, Mary, Mm -hmm. Mag, Mary Magdalene is there. Uh, Judas character, you see Pilate, you never see Jesus out of costume. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, (laughs) what is that supposed to portray? Like the first time you see him is he's already in his costume. So Mm -hmm. if he was getting off the bus with everybody and they sort of picked him to be Jesus or something, that would be, that would be one thing, but he sort of appears out of nowhere and he doesn't ever make an appearance outside of, of costume. So that's interesting. So that, that kind of stuff makes me wonder what they intended by that. But sure. um, I yeah. liked the, I like the production design. I think it's interesting. And I think since I've seen it on stage several times, I don't know what your experience has been with this, Steve, but people are able to take the, take the material and, transform the sets like this is the 1970s obviously and it has a lot of vietnam anti-vietnam war imagery in it but i've seen it done where it's more 1990s or even contemporary so there's different there's different um wallpaper you can put on this thing and have it transform and look a little bit and it still works the material still works no matter what decade you're setting it in now I don't know if you could set it in anything before the 70s just because of how some of the lyrics and the song style. Right. But I, for me, for me, that works. I like the, the, the costumes are so they're so wild. Like the um, the Roman guards are just like these dudes in purple tank tops and camo <laughs> right. pants, camo pants. <laughs> with their rifles. And then the and the the uh, like the Pharisees. I'm like, I don't know what you guys are supposed to be wearing, but it's a it's a blend of it's kind of a blend of Jewish iconography and also rock costumes. So it's just interesting. Yeah. What were you going to say, Steve? 
Oh, I was going to say that I think the Pharisees, um, Caiaphas and Annas, Heather pointed this out. When, um, because those those poles that they all hang out on are like iconic. Mm-hmm. Every time I've seen the play, um, they've had like those same poles and they climb around on those poles. Um, she pointed out they kind of look like crows, like on a wire, like when you see like mm-hmm. a bunch of blackbirds or a bunch of crows, um, kind of nesting around. Um, I don't know that I thought that image sounded pretty sound to me that they were just a bunch of like. <laughs> crows or ravens like you know plotting out their murder mm. revenge like a murder of crows get it um <laughs> i don't know that, that that's kind of what it called to me and yeah judas and his red um that bright red suit that he wears i what you're saying about how you don't see jesus and out of his costume is interesting because at the end of the movie they leave and Jesus is not with them. The guy who plays Jesus, mm-hmm. we should say his name. What is his name? Teddy Joe Neely. That's yeah, our, Ted um, Neely. our scrawny redneck Jesus is what we have always called him. <laughs> <laughs> He's not with them when they leave. And also Judas, even though we see him and he's wearing like, you know, his Kangol and his street clothes and stuff before he changes into costume, he's always like looking at everybody ascons. He's like in character 100% of the time, even like when they're leaving, even when they arrive, he's always in character as well. Whereas like some of the others are kind of not, they're kind of goofing and obviously not in character. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that that was that was my observation that I really wanted to bring up that I really liked about it was was the fact that it was presented like a play. So I want to kick it over to you guys. I asked you guys to bring um, some like I asked everybody to bring a question and an observation to the group. And I'm starting with observations here. Um, so Nate hasn't talked the longest yet here. Nate, did you have an observation you wanted to bring to the group? Yes. And one of you guys had answered it. Um, oh. I was. So it's an observation and a question. I was very curious as to what the significance of the rifles were and the tanks and things like that. Um, that was one of the things that I mentioned that I was like, is this supposed to be funny? Because there's no explanation to it. Um, but now that you mention Vietnam, anti-Vietnam, things like that, I'm sure that if I had that context and I went back and rewatched it, I'd probably pick up a lot more. But that's much appreciated because I was really scratching my head at that for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, okay. So your observation was like the anachronistic stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I mean, I think that's worth talking about. That was actually my observation too. So um, I, I, I'm curious, maybe we can make sense of it, but... Most of the time they're just they're just dressed up in the garb. And I wondered I wondered if like they get off the bus and they start performing this. So is it supposed to be but I think the guards are part of the character too in the context mm-hmm. of this play. But I yeah. was I was like, are they supposed to represent just, you know, in the in the culture with all the anti Vietnam War sentiment? There were people, they they were looked upon as oppressors. And so in the Roman times, that was that was the same too. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting when 
there's the one segment which has already been referenced where Judas kind of runs out in the middle of the desert and the tanks face him and then he runs from the tanks. So I think the way you interpret that, besides just saying, oh, it was the 70s, man, like gets it kind of what we're supposed to get out of the movie. And you can get a million things out of the movie. You can just be like, oh, it's a story about Jesus. But then if you take Steve's statement, he talked about he sees Judas as being the most important character or the main character of this movie. And so I think one thing that kind of gets forgotten when you talk about the biblical times and what was going on when Jesus showed up is everybody was waiting for the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, the Messiah was supposed to start. They thought it would start some kind of revolution where they would take over they would get power back from the local authorities. Mm -hmm. And so there were different groups, even amongst the um, even amongst the Jews. And one of them would be the zealots, which is represented by Simon, who's playing a totally insane person in this movie. Right. But they were all <laughs> training. They were all training for to be soldiers to, you know, almost, you know, they, we might think of them as, contemporary communists how some some communists picture like there's going to be an uprising one day of the people and we're here so there's there's all these thoughts about like what is what is coming and so for judas i think when he sees those tanks it's supposed to represent how at the time that people were just like war is coming oppression is coming and we have to be yep. ready to fight yep. And so there was just a lot of tension going on. Everybody was scared all the time. And I think there's that same sentiment in our culture, which is which is different. So that's that's what I got out of it. So I was wondering what you guys thought all of the imagery meant and all the tanks and everything. I mean, I, you all, you almost got there. You were like speaking exactly my mind. You just <laughs> didn't quite take the next step and take the couple next couple of sentences. Okay, that's exactly how that's exactly how I saw it. He's got he's got the uh, the Pharisees, which are like the sheriffs in town. Those are like the guys in black, and then you got Herod, who's like the mayor basically, and then you've got um, Pilate, who's like the the governor or the president. You might say so. You got all these different hierarchies. And so, you know, Judas is there in his town dealing with people. He's part of Jesus's group. And at that point in the movie, you know, he's just sitting in the desert. I think he's just looking at the ground. And that's like when the tanks come and he starts running from the tanks. And where does he go? He goes right to the Pharisees to try to work out a deal with them to try to hold off the crowd, to try to hold off this war because he saw a war coming. I think that's what the takes represent is that a bigger war that Judas saw that could occur, a bigger clash that would occur between all the people. And so the, I think those tanks represent like a bigger group of people coming to war and he ran to go fend that off with the, with the sheriffs in town. How about you, Nate? Makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, wasn't sure if it was supposed to be some form of comic relief or I'm sure that there was some significance to it, but I didn't really 
I was being a, a poor sport about analyzing it. So <laughs> well, does that make does that make sense to you? Like what we're saying? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It certainly makes sense. Yeah, um, I don't really think there's much. I'm not meaning to cut you off, Nate, but I just wanted to. You've said a couple of times now. You wondered if it was for humor. I mean, there's little like there's little like lyrical humor in there, little instances of humor or like tongue in, but it's more like tongue in cheek cheek humor. I don't think there's much in this movie that's supposed to be like chuckle heavy humor. Mm. Herod, oh, no, 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 Herod's no. song is Herod's yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, Herod's the one exception. <laughs> and it is, I mean, it, I don't know. I thought, I thought that whole thing was kind of funny personally, <laughs> but I wanted to say about Herod's part, I was telling this mm. to Heather. Um, and I, I find this very unfortunate and I'm, I'm kind of tiptoeing around even saying this, but it, it's just the way I feel. So they, so they have like the quote unquote heavier guy playing Herod and they make him take his shirt off to like accentuate like the fact that he's maybe 20 pounds heavier than everybody else in the cast. And it's obvious that that's supposed to be like the funny scene because he's dancing around and he's saying funny stuff. And I believe that you're supposed to get the sense that he's like a funny fat guy, quote unquote. What's sad about that is he's not, (laughs) he's barely even overweight. Like I wish I was, I wish I had his physique. Like his physique is perfectly fine, perfectly normal. He doesn't even have like any roles or anything. He's just a normal guy and they're playing it as if it's like a funny thing. And that's something that's kind of always bothered me how they'll take like, they'll make like the, the chubby guy take off his shirt, whereas everybody else doesn't have to do as such. So I, I just think that's another thing like of its time that maybe didn't age so well. I don't, I guess we kind of still do that in our culture, but I think that was the case with Herod. I think it's pretty obvious they were trying to, trying to make us laugh at him and like his, everything about him, I guess. Um, Cause he's supposed to be kind of a joke. Um, Herod himself, that is like, he doesn't really do anything in this movie. Um, all he does is, I mean, even in the story itself too, like he's supposed to go to Pilate. Pilate's like, nah, go to Herod instead. And Herod's like, no, go back to Pilate. <laughs> so that's what we do. Um, so the whole situation is almost kind of comical in a way, how he's getting thrown this way and thrown back that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't think it's supposed to be funny, like his weight. He's definitely supposed to be funny. He is the the... He is the comic relief of the movie. Now, this gets into a little bit of my relationship with Joseph and Basing Technicolor Dreamcoat. There's a song in that one that's also... Now, that movie isn't anywhere near as heavy as this movie gets because that's not really about death, but it is about, you know, his brothers betray him and he gets thrown in a pit and all that. So there's there's some dark times, but there's the character of of Pharaoh in that movie who does like an Elvis like number where he's asking Joseph to interpret his dreams for him. And he's the comic relief in that musical. So Andrew Lloyd Webber always has a funny song in his, in his musicals, but I don't think with, with the character, I just think Herod, what he's supposed to represent is he really, as a ruler was doing nothing. He was, he was supposed to represent if you notice the people that were around him 
were all his he was basically a hedonist like eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die so he was just all about pleasure and enjoyment and so he thinks jesus is going to be his entertainment for the evening so if he's he's supposed to be comic relief i don't think it has anything to do with his weight because like you said steve that he wasn't even close to being fat but he is he is just supposed to be a joke of a ruler but i didn't I didn't get that they were making fun of him for being a chubby guy or anything. Maybe this is my own personal take from it, I suppose. But hey, let's move on to some questions. Lindsay, did you bring any questions for me and Nate pertaining to this movie? Because I know I have three, but I want to give you guys a chance to go first. Well, Nate, did you want to ask a question first? I can ask first. That's fine. Yeah. How with a rated or how with a rating of G were we able to show a man hanging himself, which by far is the best part of the movie? <laughs> I didn't even know what it was rated. It's rated G. He's right. While watching it, I see him climbing up in the tree and I was like, is this what I think it's going to be? And then when he does it, I was like, how did we get away with this one? Especially especially in 1973, right? 73 or 72, yes. 73. 73. Mm-hmm. I was, I, and I just didn't take the time to look at like, when were we allowed to show something like suicide on, on the screen, especially that blatant. And how did yes. we get away with the G rating? I have no idea. I be, because, because you're right. The suicide is a big deal. Um, it should if it came out now today, that scene alone would make it a PG thirteen movie. I believe it's G only because they probably rallied for it to be a G movie so they could show it to kids at church. Like, like that's something. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was pretty much I was pretty much finished. What you got? Is it something that you can claim like uh, religious significance or something like that, and kind of get it? passed along like i know that there's a certain point where people have to go "Mm, you can't really can't really do that like it wasn't gory or anything it's just you know it's a tragic thing so i was just that was my my observation of how do we get away with this in 1973 gotta defer to you Lindsay. that's a great question this I'd have to Google it, guys. But if I start doing that, well, I could mute my computer while I do that. I'm I think that's a great question. I wonder if it has something to do with how you if you put it in the shadow or not. But it wasn't, was it? There wasn't it wasn't like it was shadowed or a um, because I've seen it done before on stage where it's um, they just show a silhouette Mm -hmm. and not a person. So but yeah. They did a great job with that filming too. It looked it looked great, like like stylistically on film. I mean, they did a great job with that one. Um, yeah, I mean, I know realistic. Steve has opinions about um, the hangings in dark <laughs> and if they if like people are hanging themselves correctly. So I was gonna ask him right. if he thought that the correct techniques were used. It didn't seem like it. Nate, help me out here. You you have to bring a third opinion here. So when somebody is being, um, when being hung, executed by hanging, isn't it part of the deal where like your neck is broken in the fall? 
I mean, for the most humane way, yeah, that's the way it should be done. It should be you drop down and the next snaps and everything's everything's finished. Otherwise, but, you're just sitting there choking for five minutes, right? Yeah, pretty much. I was also going to get that that tree branch. Definitely didn't look thick enough to hold <laughs> a full grown man. So I was. He's like, really skinny. He's like 110 pounds, maybe. He's skinny. That's a tree in the <laughs> desert. I can't assume that that thing is, uh, you know, healthy. Yeah. Do you know? Any, do you know any of the rating rules? Because I know th- I watched that movie about the um, the rating board and how movies are rated and stuff like that, Lindsay. But do you know any of the rules of like if a movie can like campaign for a certain rating for any certain reason? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I really don't know the the law. <laughs> I'm really sad about that now. But I I think maybe in in certain you probably do have to apply for your movie to be one or another if you have an opinion mm-hmm. and in 1973 i'm not sure how many ratings they had you know not there PG-13, were yeah pg-13 not. didn't exist yet maybe r didn't exist yet oh it did it did definitely at that time it was like it was it was g p g r x there was no triple X. There was no PG thirteen. Um, it was just those four. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. That it is. A, I mean, I thought the same thing. I wrote it down here at the very top, Nate. This movie is rated G, but I haven't read that yet. So I'm glad you brought that observation to us because it's <laughs> it's a it's a wild one. Um, but then again, you know, we teach children uh, um, the Bible. There's no age limit on the Bible. Mm-hmm. I give it a pass, Nate. I give this movie a pass. It's fine for a G. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I think. I, I mean, it says they. Um, I'm on. I, I'm on IMDb. That's the only thing I can find so far where somebody says, "How is this rated G?" And somebody said they didn't want it to piss off. They didn't want to piss off the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know. The Pope was on board with it though. <laughs> yeah. So that I think. I think that was Nate's question. Did you have a question for us, Lindsay? Well, I was wondering, you know, I mean, it's part of this, like, this is part of it's sad because it's like Nate has such a visible hatred of this movie now. But I guess if you can lay that aside for a minute, I'm wondering if you think, I'm wondering what you guys think, how can, what can we learn from this story today? How does it apply to us in our times what do you guys think it has to say to our contemporary times, even though this was made in the 70s? Are you speaking from like a theatric standpoint, theatrical standpoint or a biblical standpoint? Yeah, take take religion out of it for I, I this isn't about a Bible lesson, but it's thinking about what is the movie about and then what could we learn from that? Hmm. Go first. Let me mull it over a little bit. Okay. I I see a big parallel um, between like what's happening in this movie and what's going on today. Um, I'm seeing this movie about uh, if you take religion out of it, 
this this large group of people that are um, infatuated with this one person. They they overly love him. They love everything about him. He's the most important to them, and he's got a message that he's trying to spread. But nobody really. It's like the person is more important than the message, and so you have his second in command who is like, you know, you're not really following your own message. These people are not following the message. We need to we need to check on ourselves. I, I, I see it as fanaticism in a way. If you take the religion out of it, you have a group of people that um, are worshiping a person, like one person, as opposed to like, you know, what the ideals that the person is giving them. Um, so, yeah, I kind of I view it from the view of like fanaticism. And that's what um, Judas is seeing as well in this movie. Mm-hmm. I guess mine's moderately similar. So regardless of status or message, people will die. And we will continue to move about our our day regardless if they're here or not. And that applies to, I think, all the different aspects of things in the movie, the betrayal, the denial, the the provoked and I don't want to call it the provoked death, but like the different manners of death and things like that, things that, you know, upset people and so on and so forth, you will still continue to move on. And then it shows you that there are different ways to handle consequences and things like that whether you do continue to move on or you decide to go, you know, to the extremes and hang yourself in a desert tree. I Mm -hmm. think it really speaks a lot about, uh, or it could potentially speak a lot about just the persistent rot of our existence. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. That's bleak. (laughs) It is bleak. Um, I can tell you guys what I think about it. I like both yes. of your answers. <laughs> I like both of your answers, but it's interesting because one of the questions that I was thinking about asking is like, has anybody, do you feel like this is happening now or with anybody? And the first person I thought of was Donald Trump. Same. Exactly. And, that's, that's what you know, I was alluding to. I was just thinking how and there was that whole joke even when he was when he was going into even though I hate like I hate to give him any more attention than he's already had but um but when he first announced he was running there was that wild video that made it sound like the whole thing was a joke and he never expected to get elected and you hear Donald Trump crying like I wanted to stop like how did it how did it get how did it get this far it wasn't supposed to get this far I was supposed to be I was supposed to be voted off the island a long time ago (laughs) and but you have this kind of rise of movement you show how Mm -hmm. you meant you said the word fanaticism I was going to say celebrity dumb or just fame in general, how yeah, sure. somebody can rise 
and it becomes a movement and then it takes on a life of its own. And so then we have all these people that don't even really know Jesus that well, but they think they do. And, right. and so they're excited about following him, but do they actually understand what he stands for or what following him stands for? And then when it comes time, when it's like, oh, he's he's stepped in it too far, he's crossed too far, so now we're going to kill him, everybody runs away. And how quickly somebody can lose uh, lose fame and everybody turns against you. And then I also thought about how the the, the rise of, in, of information and in misinformation and how this movie was made even right before social media but it i feel like it relates so much to how things start in social media and how you get followers and and then and then some things will turn on a dime and all of a sudden you're canceled and it, it just <laughs> you become just a pig for the slaughter and and that's what happens to jesus in this movie sure. and i but i also liked what you said nate about kind of consequences and just thinking how everybody has to take right. um, everybody has to take responsibility of the consequences of their decision in this movie. And you see all the different ways people have of handling consequences. So we have who just decides he can't handle the consequences and his feelings. And so he he like chooses to kill himself in his life. Then you have someone like Pilate who says, okay, I'm going to do this, but I've washed my hands of it. And he makes a public announcement. Um, we have like Peter, denial. And then there's Mary who's loyal to the bitter end and, and grieves and does things in a little bit more responsible way. So we kind of get to see how these different people handle pressure and things falling apart around them. And I just think this movie sort of forces you to say, okay, when things get tough, like, have you really counted the cost of what you said you're going to do? And how will you handle it if things go bad? Will you stay true to the bitter end? Or will you take one of these other exits, which they're all human. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just to judge each one, but as you see it, you have to, you have to kind of ask yourself, okay, which one of these people would I be? Or which one of these kind of, yep. um, when you decide that you're going to start on a cause, how, how far have you thought through that project? You know, <laughs> that <clears throat> so often we don't do that. Yeah, when you said the thing about consequences too, Nate, it, it, it threw me back to as, as well because I, I, it made me think about the same individuals that Lindsay just named there. Um, you know, Peter, Mary, Pilate, Judas, and how the four of them all had such different endings when it came to this. Um, I had a few questions I wanted to ask you guys, but I think in fairness of time, I'm going to, I'm just going to go for this one here, if I may. Um, which I think is a very interesting question and I'll answer it last, I suppose. Um, and Nate, I'll start with you. How are we feeling about Judas? Do you think that he, um, 
in, in the movie, he's portrayed as going to heaven because he has on the white and he's like looking down at Jesus when he dies. Um, a lot of theology says the exact opposite that, you know, that, that Judas was, Judas had never repented, um, that, you know, he killed himself, that he betrayed Christ, you know, that he's in hell. What's your opinion on that, Nate? Well, I think it would be awfully hypocritical of God to send him down to hell, much less anybody else. He forgives everybody. <laughs> and, he, and he says that he loves everybody. I always kind of... Hell's, hell's for the angels that said, mm, we don't like it up here with the cotton candy cane forests and stuff. Obviously, that's you know, <laughs> me just trying to be funny. But, um, or maybe reframe the question. Do you, th- do you think that, you know, he, he died in peace or do you think he's, he's still in turmoil? Well, I mean, he hung himself, so I don't know how peaceful that really was. But, right. <laughs> um, and I mean, and then that's where you have to go. You have to look at all the other contexts and things like that. Like suicide is obviously very frowned upon. So does that, and he blasphemed against God. So, I mean, in Inferno by Dante Alighieri, he's in, he's in, what is it? The second to last circle. Cause the last circle is Satan himself. Um, Okay. So I'm going to, my final vote, my final vote is that Judas, I think Judas is hanging up there. He's up in heaven, but I don't think he has as nice an apartment as everybody else does. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) See, he's on the basement floor of heaven. Right. I think, I mean, if I had to equate it to like Philadelphia terms, I kind of think he's in like North Philly. Like it's, there are some okay <laughs> spots, but it's like, it can be a little rough. <laughs> Judas is in North Philly and Nate's Ju- mind. Okay. Ju- Judas is in North Philly. <laughs> Lindsay, where do you think Judas is? North Philly? <laughs> South I don't Philly. like this question at all. <laughs> you don't have to answer it. It's a, it's, you know, we're just talking here. You can say next, <laughs> but you know, I'm just curious. I like the question. Um, what do you think about Judas? Like his character and his choices, but like asking me like theologically, if I think he's in heaven or hell, I will say this. I don't agree that I don't think the musical, the movie musical I've seen it done different ways, but I don't feel like this musical portrays him in heaven at the end. I think it portrays him in hell. You have to you have to quick you have to look at this, but when he sings, you see Jesus like he's in his white robe and then there's Judas, he's also in white, but there are like red set pieces around him. So I thought that that meant he was oh. like in hell dancing, you know, singing. Open to interpretation then. I mean, I saw it as him being in heaven. So you say it, if you don't want to exactly answer then, then yeah. What do, what do you think about some of Judas's choices? Like, do you think there's any point that you think that, um, I, I mean, I think it's, well, obviously he's wrong. <laughs> no, um, I, I think that 
what that what's so, so nice and complex about his character is the fact that it is in the Bible all you see is that Judas betrayed Jesus. And so of course mm-hmm. he's he's like thought of as being the bad guy in the story. But the musical shows m- more of the pressures that he was under and his emotional affect and then there is the fact that it um you know, there's lines in there where he says that it was Jesus's idea, you know, and, and in a way, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and there's parts of the Bible that kind of talk about how that Judas got an idea, but that it, it's almost like supplied by a third person. So it is almost the same way that it in the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Does that mean that this isn't a different story in the Egyptians that mm-hmm. they were asked, Moses asked, let my people go. And God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And then the plague started because of Pharaoh's hardened heart. But it's like, well, whose fault was it then? Was it God's fault or was it Pharaoh's heart? You know, so um, the the musical makes it seem like Judas is just a pawn in the story, just the same yeah. way as we see other, like he was, he was placed in a, it was just he, someone had to do it. Someone had to betray Jesus. So it might as well have been him, you know, that kind of thing. So um, it's, his story is a very sad story. Um, but do I agree with his decisions? I think he's very relatable, but I can't say that like, oh, yeah, he was right or he was wrong. Mm-hmm. He was he was a human doing like the best he could. He thought he was doing the right thing in that situation that if he somehow, you know, we could be led to believe that he thought if Jesus got arrested, then he would be forced to reveal himself right. and and show how show his power. And then so maybe that was what his true intent was. Did he really mean for Jesus to die? It's. There's so many ways you can see it. So do I do I look down on Judas? No. Oh. Um, but I have I have mixed feelings about you know, I used to have more cut and dry feelings about suicide, but then it happened to somebody that I care about. So now I have more complex feelings about it. So that's why I feel uncomfortable answering the question. Okay, sure. That makes sense. I understand. Nate raised his hand at one point while you were talking. I think he wants to be called on. What, what did you did you have a comment about Nate? I don't think we would have Christianity without Judas. Fair point. Do you want to expand on that? Sure. So Judas went and was a little goo goo gaga baby tattletale, <laughs> and went and said, "Take this that is- back." <laughs> He said, he said, hey, guys, I'll tell you where Jesus is hiding out, but you have to give me 30 schmeckles. And they were like, dude, we'll give you 35 schmeckles. <laughs> so Judas said, he's over there. Go, you know, go down on the Dollar General, turn left. He's at Sheep's. Like, <laughs> that's what Judas said. And... The soldiers were like, all right, we'll hop in our Uber. We'll go down. We'll get ourselves an MTO. We'll pick them up. Let's go. 
So if Judas didn't say, hey man, he's down at he's down at the Dollar General or whatever, the Roman soldiers could have just been meandering around. And there's one line from the musical, and you hear it in the Bible about false prophets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously been a lineage of people who have been like, I'm the Messiah. And then mm-hmm. people are like, dude, you definitely are. And then they go away. So, and I'm going to assume that that's because, oh man, that could get into a whole wormhole. I'm going to assume that's because they did, those messiahs, those messiahs didn't have their own little Judases saying, hey man, go check behind Wawa. Right. Uh, I feel better now about you. Okay, I was going to point out that I was like, notice that Nate said that Judas said Jesus was at Sheets. And I was thinking we had somehow matured because before there was a penalty point of some, if you ever mentioned the word Sheets. So we have mentioned Dollar General, Sheets and Wawa in this conversation. So it looks like the, it looks like the penalty period is over for talking about Sheets now since Nate lifted the veil. Yeah. How is that? How is Sheets? No, no. Are you a different man now? How did that happen? Um, I'm forced to go to Sheets because <laughs> I live like two and a half hours from the closest Wawa. Okay, so you so you're heading over to Sheets. All right, I see, I see. So you're starting to like a little bit more and more every time, and you're oh. even bringing it up in conversation. So yeah, <laughs> I was trying to just pick common <laughs> common locations. Lindsay, thank you very much for your radar ears to pick that one up. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have uh, even thought about it, but yes. Nate, I'm going to go back to your point. Um, I think that you're right, that w- without Judas, there would... You could say that you're right, um, that without Judas, there is not the crucifixion, there is not the resurrection, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure I believe that, but I can definitely like, I can see where you're coming from with that one. Um, I don't know if any of the other, other guys in the group would have done what Judas did and given them up um, in that kind of way. Cause what the Pharisees were trying to do is they were trying to find they were trying to capture Jesus peacefully. They wanted to avoid making a big scene. So Judas like gave them a place where they could like, you know, get him up while he's having dinner with his friends in a quiet spot. I think they would have, if it wasn't for Judas, they would have continued down that path and tried the exact same thing. So I'm not sure if we can give Judas that credit. I'm, I'm going to take that and say that, yeah, I don't know if we can give Judas that credit for the resurrection, but I will say, I will say that, um, you know, a big part, about, you know, quote unquote, heaven, quote unquote, hell is, um, repenting. And, you know, Judas, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Lindsay, but in the Bible, he like, he did give those, those 30 pieces. He either threw them back at their feet or he gave the 30 pieces away. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Like he according didn't take, to the Bible. He didn't take the money. He basically right. refused the money after they had given it to him. Right. 
which could be a form of repentance in a way. He felt a lot of guilt about what he did. Obviously, he killed himself. So, mm-hmm. so All yeah, right, the well, first point, the fr- yeah. I was just going to, okay, if we're going to do theology, I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm going to talk about this because, you know, I thought we weren't going to, I thought you guys didn't want to talk about theology, but you seem to want to talk about theology. But (laughs) let's, let's, I, I, I agree with what you said, Steve. We can't give Judas credit for Christianity because that's giving him too much power. It's like people who think, well, God needs me to do this or that. You know, he doesn't need you. If you don't right. do it, somebody else is going to step up. So right. Jesus would have, since God's plan was for this to happen, it would have happened one way or another. It's not because of Judas that Jesus was crucified and resurrected. Mm. Mm-hmm. But another part of repentance is when it's offered, you accept it. And you accept that you're forgiven. Oh. And part of Judas's problem is not that he wasn't forgiven. That forgiveness was available to him, but he didn't believe that God could forgive him. Right. So he chose to end his life to say, without accepting the forgiveness that was available to him. And I just think that's an important factor we, we need we need to acknowledge here is that it's not just a matter of were you forgiven or not. Part of when you're given forgiveness, you have to be willing to accept the forgiveness. See, the way I always saw it, I always assumed in theology that Judas went to hell. So like in the movie, to see him go to heaven, that always like surprised me and it you know, kind of changed my perception a little bit. Didn't change my opinion, but it did change my perception because of that portrayal of that. So I don't know if they did the whole dancing around in white thing with the red background to kind of make it ambiguous in that way. If they did, that Mm. was smart. That was very smart (laughs) because it led to this question. Yeah, I'll have to watch that scene again and I'll have to watch that scene again and and tell you exactly what I was seeing. But I I saw it twice and I watched the movie that part twice and I was like, where is he supposed to be? It's so quick (laughs) in the movie. In the play, they do it differently. So, you know, depending on the set pieces, you can kind of tell, use context, whether it's supposed to be where he's supposed to be. One last thing I'll say about Judas before we move on is personally, I found that like one of the most moving parts of the movie is when, um, you know, he's done his whole thing. He's done the 30 pieces. He's given Jesus up. And then he breaks into Mary's song. He starts singing that song that Mary Mm -hmm. sings. I don't know how to love him. And so he starts singing that for Jesus, asking if like Jesus notices him and if Jesus loves him back and things like this. I've always thought that was like one of the most powerful key parts of the movie. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if I, I don't know if I really, that I think it's one of the reasons I like this movie too, is because I always kind of thought of Judas. He's the bad guy. And this movie kind of makes you look at him in a different way, especially that key moment for me it made me look at him differently where he was, you know, singing his love directly to Jesus instead of like this whole time he's criticizing him and, 
you know, mm-hmm. talking about what should be going on. But in this moment, he's just like, I love you. And, you know, it's a, it's a big moment. I like it. Yeah, I, I was going to th- ask you more about that. I mean, I, maybe you feel like we don't have enough time, but you mentioned when you were writing me notes, you mentioned that you broke down in tears several times. And I was going to ask you what parts really move you in the movie. If we have time, I'd love to hear that. Or I can I can hear about that off mic if you if you think we're our time is running short. <laughs> well, I do. I have more to go into, but um, that is a very good question. The, I think um, for whatever reason, like when they when they're doing like the intro, that was the first part that I started getting like emotional when they're doing the intro scene, and it's like towards the end, and then you got all the hippies in their little circle. They're doing a little dance. And like the music's kind of going down. It's like the last few notes really it like hit me. It like it, I started tearing up then. And then like when Judas, like, you know, I was like, okay, this is cool. And then Judas, he starts singing. And I think right around when he got to like um, the second verse is when I started tearing up again. And at that point is when I was talking to Heather about it. So I was like, kind of like, okay, this is cool. I can get through it. Um, I think the next time was um during pilots um pilots second part where he starts like screaming at jesus (laughs) that really like got me and there was even a part during gethsemane during the i only want to say if there is a way that part um there was a part in there that that our boy uh teddy hit some good notes and hit some good emotions. And he got me during that song too. I mean, Ian Gillen always gets me, but Teddy got me just a little bit in that song. I, I love the pilot number too. I just, I, I like that part. Cause I feel like he's just looking for any excuse to let Jesus off the hook and not have to go through with it because mm-hmm, his, mm-hmm. even though in the Bible, it's actually his wife that has the dream and tells him like, you cannot mm-hmm. kill this man. In the musical, they make it out to be Pilot. So, but I just, I like how he's, he's just looking for any excuse to not crucify Jesus. And the musical does a great job showing his torment around that situation. So, yeah, I wanted to do a fun thing real quick here. Not real quick, real long here. (laughs) This movie is, it's, it's, this is its 51, 51st year. Last year was the 50th anniversary. Um, I saw the, I saw it um, live during the 30th anniversary when they had Carl Anderson come out and they did a very a faithful rendition of the movie at that time with Carl. And I remember they did something on CBS semi-recently where they got a big cast together and like redid um, some of these uh, roles as well. Something, one of the first things that Sam and myself did, and Heather, uh uh-oh, did we lose Nate? There he is. Okay. Um, We recast this movie in our minds with who we thought would be these best roles. And I wanted to read y'all a couple of these, and I wanted to then ask the group if y'all had any ideas. So the first time... um, Heather and I saw this movie was around 98, 99, maybe 2000. So you got to keep that in mind. Like that's the music of the time. It was grunge era. 
So this was our casting of the, uh, I'll say the, the, I'll say the 2000 Jesus Christ Superstar. This is who we got. We got Chris Cornell from Soundgarden as Jesus. Of course, he's passed away now. We've got Lane Stanley from Alice in Chains. He's Judas. He's also passed away now, unfortunately. We've got Natalie Merchant. She's Mary. We've got Marilyn Manson. He's playing Caiaphas, the tall guy with a deep voice. We've got Maynard James Keenan from Tool. He's playing his little buddy, Annis. We've got Lenny Kravitz. He's playing Simon the Zealot. We've got Les Claypool from Primus. He's playing King Harad. And then for Pontius Pilate, we've got David Bowie playing that role as Pontius Pilate. So I want to ask you guys, I have, I have an updated version of this list now too, <laughs> but do you guys have any dream casts for any of these roles? Or have you thought about anybody in these roles or have seen anybody in these roles that you want to shout out now? I'll ask Lindsay first, cause she's more familiar with the film. <laughs> I don't feel like I know enough music, you know, rock musicians to do this exercise, but I do think it's interesting. You cast David Bowie because he played pilot in, um, the Martin Scorsese last temptation of Christ. Oh, he actually, that might be why we chose him then <laughs> Violet, but it's not a musical, right? <laughs> Maybe you'd like that one better, Nate. I do like that movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we have seen that movie too, but it's been a long time. But that probably is exactly why we chose David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned, um, I think, of the CBS version that you saw. They had Alice Cooper playing. Was he playing Harrod or Pilot? Lindsay. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I just thought. I thought <laughs> Nate would. I just. I just. I wasn't saying like I agreed. Oh, agreed with the casting. I just thought, oh, Nate will find this interesting because, you know, of who's playing it. But I don't remember what role he was playing. It might have been Judas. No, nah, I saw I saw that rendition and he just had one song. I'm pretty sure he was pilot because um, I think there was somebody that was overly silly as Herod. Oh, it was King Herod. It was King Herod. Oh, he did play yeah. Herod. Mm-hmm. Do you see any musicians or actors that you could uh, you could see in any of these roles, Nate? Oh, I sure, I sure do. Okay, who you got? <sighs> All right, I definitely think Jesus should be played by Mr. Daniel DeVito himself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? And I would love Judas to be Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> this is a wacky casting here. This is, this is what we call the wacky cast. <laughs> Danny DeVito. I mean, he would probably take the role very seriously and probably do like a, a you know, a faithful rendition because that's the kind of person that he is. He could do it funny, but I think he could do it real. He's a talented guy. He is a talented guy. No, I don't. Uh, I don't really know who would be. Who would be a good a good Jesus. I mean, everyone says Keanu Reeves already kind of looks like. Sure, sure. Like a Jesus rendition. I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, a popular singer now that that has the pipes that could do it, that kind of has the look, but not really would be Dave Grohl. Um, he has the pipes to do it, I think. 
I don't know if he has the youthful energy anymore to do something like that. But I think, you know, maybe in his earlier days, he could do it. Now, Heather has recast some people. She has recasted um, Mary. She thinks Alanis Morissette would be a better Mary, which I kind of agree with her now. She suggested Childish Gambino to play the role of Simon the Zealot, which I'm a big fan of that, especially after listening to like his Redbone album. I can definitely see him being Simon. Um, we've got Jason Momoa as <laughs> um, um, Caiaphas, the, the tall guy with the deep voice. And then his little buddy, Annis, would be played by Adrian Brody. That's That was um, our last night casting of those two guys. But y'all don't, y'all don't have any, any dream casts for me, I guess. Who have you seen? Um, on Have you seen anybody... Um, like when you've seen the play, Lindsay, has there been like any actors um, notable I think that the you've guy seen who was them? in the the last time that I saw it on um, the, there was a YouTube channel during the pandemic. There was this channel, the shows must go on, and I think it still exists. But they showed once a week on Sunday nights. They picked a different Broadway musical and they showed it for free on this YouTube channel. And there was, I think his name was Tim Michal, played okay. the character of Judas. Um, he was okay. I don't know. My my friends watched it with me, and and they were like, "Oh, he's not as good as this other person." <laughs> I'm I'm really bad with names. I'm sorry, but I, okay. I yeah, I don't remember. If if I if I if I looked on YouTube and watched a bunch of versions, I can tell you which one I thought was best. But I like somebody who can really, you know, with with I know with the Jesus role, you got to be able to hit those high notes really good. Right. And Ian I guess Dylan was perfect in my opinion. I really we always had wished that he had gone on and, and been in the movie, um, just for his voice. I mean. The Broadway musical from 1970 featuring him, I think, is far superior than anything else I've ever heard, any other Jesus I've heard. And Judas, it's kind of hard to say because I really prefer Murray Head's version on the album, too. But then this guy, Carl Anderson, just looking at him and like his intensity and mm-hmm. like the way he takes this role to another level. I mean, I don't know he's got a lot of power behind him. And when we saw him in 2002, the dude must've been, you know, I don't know, 60, 70 years old. He looked just as youthful. He was just as energetic. He was just as like emphatic as he was in this movie. It was like, he was nailing it. And he was here in Richmond, Virginia. It wasn't like he was playing on Broadway. He was playing some, you know, some third market city and he was nailing it. I mean, it was was some good stuff some good stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe axel rose could play jesus i don't know about <laughs> judas <laughs> i mean See, i didn't the voice I, for I it think, for sure the voice yeah yes. i didn't think i know you love ian gillen's version but i thought he didn't take full advantage of his gethsemane song during oh, the yeah. uh yeah during the okay. times when you're really supposed to break it down you're supposed to realize okay. You know, like he just didn't take advantage of that. (laughs) 
I don't know. Okay, I hear you, but I, I, I get chills when I hear him sing that song. That's like my song. I love it. Mm -hmm. Like if I were to do karaoke, I don't know if I would do Gethsemane or Heaven on Their Minds. I would do one of those songs if I were to do karaoke. Absolutely. Guys, I also have a quiz. I don't know if y'all feel compelled to do a Jesus Christ Superstar lyric quiz and guess yeah, I want. I want. I've been looking forward to the quiz. I want to do the quiz, but like, if Nate wants to opt out, I'll quiz all by myself. <laughs> I will guarantee you that I will get a, a goose big old, egg. A big old goose egg on it. Well, how I, about uh, this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask. I'm, we'll give Nate a chance to answer first. Okay. Okay. I'll ask the question, and you won't answer. We'll let Nate answer first. And Nate, using just the power of elimination and just using context clues, you might be able to get some of these because we only got like ten characters that it could be: <laughs> Jesus, Judas, Caiaphas, who's the tall guy with the deep voice. And Annas, who's like Caiaphas' little buddy, he's got the higher pitch voice. <laughs> then we got Herod, the funny guy. Then we got um, Pilate, the one who did the execution. We've got Peter, who denies him. We've got Mary, his bae. Um, who else we got? That's pretty much it. It's going to be one of those Simon, people. Did you already say Simon, Simon the Zealot? Simon the Zealot, the... Uh, the crazy guy who started speaking in tongues at one point. <laughs> All right. So, Nate, who said this? Nazareth, your famous son, should have stayed a great unknown. Oh, I have no idea. Not even going to guess. Lindsay, take it away. I think that one was Judas. Absolutely Judas. Yes. That's right. Okay, Nate. You, I see you looking at a computer now. You, you got a cheat sheet in front of you? Well, I just want to make sure that I, I have a list of character names. Yes, that's what I was going to suggest. You have the names written down here. Okay, this next character said, There must be over 50,000 screaming love and more at you. Hmm. Is that King Harad? It's not. Lindsay, who do you think it is? Uh, I think that one is Simon the Zealot. That is Simon. That's our boy. 50,000. Nate, how about this? <laughs> one thing I'll say for him, Jesus is cool. Jesus is cool. Um, okay. <laughs> is that Anna? Anas? <laughs> Anus? I don't know. How do you say it? Heather made that same joke. This is how much I'm into this movie. Heather made that exact same joke. She said something, 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 anus. And I, with no humor, turned to her and said, it's pronounced anus. And then I continued watching the movie. No humor. <laughs> and she was like, you know, I was making a joke, right? And I was like, no, I did not. There's no joking right now. We're watching Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> it was not anus, Nate. Um, who do you think it is, Lindsay? 
One thing I'll Caiaphas. say for him, Jesus is cool. Yeah, that's Caiaphas. right. It's Caiaphas. That's the guy who I want to sing like all the time if I could. I'm not. I'm an anus. I have a high-pitched voice. <laughs> all right, Nate, try this one out. His half-witted fans would get out of control. Is that Judas? That was... Oh, I can't say who it is. <laughs> Lindsay, who do you think it is? Annas. It is Annas. Oh, is- yeah. Like we said last time, I'm so sorry. So far, we got three to three. Oh, wait, that goes to Lindsay. I just gave you a point, Nate. I don't know why I did that. It's four to zero. You were right about the goose egg so far. You can get this one, though. The crowd will crown the crowd will crown him king, which the Romans will ban. And yeah, he sang that line. That's right. The crowd crown him king, which the Romans will ban. Is it Peter? It is not. It's one of the bad guys. Oh, I mean, Lindsay, who do you think it is? <laughs> you think it's one of the bad guys? <laughs> um, well, I think it, well, I'm, I'm probably wrong. I'm going to say Judas. It is Caiaphas because he sings in that low pitch voice of his, which I won't okay. try to imitate. Okay. It was Caiaphas. But how about this one? I saw thousands of millions of men crying for this man. Thousands of millions of men crying for this man. Who said that, Nate? Is it Mary Magdalene? It is not. You said it earlier, Lindsay. Who said that? Pilate. It was Pilate. Actually, it was Pilate's wife, but in this movie, it was Pilate. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In the past few days, when I've seen myself, I seem like someone else. Yo. Yo. It's a a 50-50. Yep, yep. Roll the dice. Is it Jesus? Ah, it's not. Oh. If you'd you only got, sang Lindsay? along with these songs, Nate. <laughs> Mary Magdalene. It was Mary. She's. I want to sing these lines. That's why I was saying it's really hard like, not to. <laughs> it's hard to just say them, but I will anyway. Okay, next one. Try singing Would one. The... Try singing one for Nate. Um. Okay, okay, okay. Let's see. How does this one go? Prove to me that you're divine. Change my water into wine. <laughs> that's King Harad. That is King Harad. The singing <laughs> works, Lindsay. Maybe that's what we got to do. Oh, Heather, don't listen anymore because I'm going to sing. <laughs> okay, who said this line? I have to know. I have to know my Lord. Uh, well, you didn't sing it. In a super deep voice. So. (laughs) Is it. Is it Simon? It is not. Lindsay, do you recognize that one? It's Jesus. 
It is Jesus himself, the man himself. Okay, next line, I'll sing it too. I only ask what I'd ask any superstar. Whoops. <laughs> I only oh. ask what I'd ask any superstar. <laughs> Steve's <laughs> relishing this now. He's like, I'm going all it. out. <laughs> Is that Pontius Pilate? Take it, Lindsay. It's Herod. It is Herod. Can I go back and sing the lines that I didn't sing before? I'm not going to do that. Okay. Okay, next one. <clears throat> I got to sing this. Annas, you were a friend, a worldly man and wise. <laughs> Annas, you were a friend, a worldly man and wise. <laughs> There's a name in the song. <laughs> you have a mm -hmm. name in that lyric. Yeah. yeah he, is this it, person is, is it, talking to, he's talking to Annas. Yes. Oh, I've been misled. So it is Caiaphas. You just chose not to do the voice. No, that's Judas. Judas what? calls them both his friend. Oh, I'm sorry, Lindsay. Damn it. <laughs> Forgot to let you have it. <laughs> I would have gotten it wrong. Oh. Yeah, that's Judas when he says, Annas, you were a friend of worldly madness wise. Caiaphas, my friend, I know you sympathize. That's mm, that part okay. anyway. <laughs> All right, next one. While you live, your troubles are many. My poor Jerusalem. Is that Mary Magdalene? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a chance to steal this time, Lindsay. It's Jesus. It is Jesus. Oh. The whole movie is a song. How can you differentiate between any of them? They're all the same. <laughs> well, there's different people singing them. It's That's like one thing. It, it, this, this movie is the equivalent of slamming all of the sun songs together. You would never know what's the difference. It's just literally one, like, the whole time. Well, Nate's mad because he's losing the quiz. But let, let's, I got three more here, and we can, we can, we can get them going here. <laughs> I'm just assuming that's why you're mad, Nate, because of the quiz. And because you had to watch this movie. All right. <laughs> okay. Got three more here. Okay. But what is truth? Is truth a changing law? <laughs> I think the key word there is law But what is truth? Is truth a changing law? Is that Pilate? That is Pilate Hell yeah, Nate got one fair and square Alright Next up, Nate, you got this one too You've even gone a bit too far To get the message home <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna do myself. I'm gonna redo I'm gonna redo Steve's thing. Okay, You've do it. even gone a bit too far to dip your message home. Nate left. He didn't like it at all. No, hold on. No, he's still Can there. you hear me? Yeah, Can you we hear, hear me? 
Yeah. Right. We can Hold hear on. you. Sorry, we're having we're He's having in a dark an room. Right yes. Um. He's upset that he's losing the game and sitting in a dark room to cry about it. <laughs> um. <laughs> but wait, I think he's going to get it fixed. He's here. He's here. He's back. Is it Jesus? <laughs> um, nope. Well, I think Lindsay knows because she sang it. Um, yeah. Who was that, Lindsay? Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually like it's Mary Magdalene and Peter. They're both in that song, and I think they both sing it at different times. I, I was going for Peter's verse, but yeah, I'll accept both. Sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. Nate, you got to get this last one. You say you're the son of God, nor your handouts. Well, is it true? <laughs> I don't know quite how to get the syncopation right, but he says, you say you're the son of God and all your handouts. Well, is it true? Is that Harad? I was trying to give you a hint with the, with the, with the voice there. You didn't get it. Do you know who it is, Lindsay? Caiaphas. It's Caiaphas. Well, that was my Jesus Christ quote quiz. And I'm, Nate, I was really sure that you had watched this movie like 10 times by the time we talked and you would have known all the words by heart by now. It didn't happen though. Here's Steve. We're going to, I'm going to ask you one quote and see if you can identify who says it. And I'm not going to sing it because that would help you too much. Okay. What do you mean by that? That's not an answer. What do? That's Pontius Pilate. <laughs> yes. Good job, Steve. <laughs> I'm way too into this movie. It's, it's obvious. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll wrap up here with an apology to Nate. Uh, I didn't realize that this would come across the way it did, dated, um, a musical, Hello, puppy. Every time we get Nate, we get a dog in the room, too. So what a cutie pie. Which one is this? Is this Sadie? Sophie and this is Diesel. Sophie and Diesel. Why do I keep saying Sadie? I don't know. Is it just my own fault? (laughs) I feel like you called her something different last time, too. Uh, well, as long as, I, as long as it starts with an S, then I'll always yeah. be in the right place. But Diesel, yeah. Diesel, got to get that one right. Diesel. So, yeah, we, uh, we're we going <laughs> to do some more of these music movies. We're not going to do any more musicals because we know that Nate is not into musicals. So we will not make him do that anymore. But, Nate, what is a, what is a music movie that, uh, that you think you should bring me and Lindsay to to bring a discussion for? What so... do you choose? I have a couple that I'm tossing around right now. I'm tossing around uh, a clock opera, the Doomstar Requiem by uh, Mm -hmm. Metalocalypse. Yes. Um, I'm tossing around the ever so classic School of Rock. Right. Featuring our good friend Jack Black. And I'm also kind of considering The Wall, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Hmm. Okay. Not you. You took the other one out of the, out of the running, then, eh? What was the other one? Lords of Chaos. Oh yes, Lords of Chaos. I don't look. I I personally would not want to be subjected to this movie again. 
Um, so I will not subject you guys to Lords of Chaos. I'm sure you've already watched it, Steve, but mm-hmm, Lindsay doesn't need doesn't need to see that nonsense. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I mean, Kieran Coughlin was awesome in it. I gotta say. I mean, I didn't think it was a terrible movie, but yeah, Lindsay Nate laid out three good movies for us there. There's the Doom Star which is the clock opera, which is a pretty short, it's like a, maybe like an hour long animated feature um, from adult swim featuring the band metalocalypse. And there's pink Floyd's, the wall, the seminal, the wall. And what was your, I forget the third one already, Nate school rock school of rock with our boy, Jack black. Um, do any of those strike a note with you, Lindsay, or have you seen any of those movies? I mean, I don't feel like, I have any voice in this matter because Nate has been such a champ. I'm going to watch whatever. There was only one movie I, I said no to in the original chat, but I don't, I think that one was tossed off. It was some kind of, it was, I don't remember what it was, but I don't think, I think that one was eliminated. There was one movie you suggested early on, but I don't think that was in your list. Um, As long as I can find the movie to watch. Since he's um, watched like two movies I've suggested mm-hmm. now that he's hated. That's what I'm thinking too. I'm thinking we definitely got to do Nate's. Um, so yeah, I, I like those suggestions. I've it's seen I don't li- two out of three of them already. And I like, I mean, I've, it has been a long time since, since I've seen The Wall. So that would be interesting. I own School of Rock. I love that movie. So I wouldn't um, mind doing that, of course. I've never heard of the third one. So as long as I can find it somewhere. Yeah, it's available on YouTube. I've watched it on YouTube with Caleb. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think what I prefer out of those three. Because, yeah, I've seen The Wall many times when I was young. And I've kind of grown out of favor with it with time. But I would like to go back and, uh, and recheck it out. wouldn't be a bad idea. School of Rock, wonderful movie. I- I'm not sure I want to podcast about it. Um, the Clock Opera, that really is piquing my interest. Um, just because I'm curious what Lindsay's opinion of that would be without having seen, just like, you know, with you having never seen Jesus Christ Superstar before. Um, you know, Lindsay is probably, have you ever seen the show um, Metalocalypse, Lindsay? Are you familiar with? Um, the band Death Clock, the animated band from Adult Swim. I have like one exposure to Metalocalypse and it was a long time ago. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that um, Lindsay would probably dislike Metalocalypse as much as you disliked Jesus Christ Superstar. So, having said that, I think the wall would have to be our winner here. Um are you guys okay with that? I'm um, I'm I'm submitting to whatever Nate says. So, like <laughs> I'm giving him the power and I think that's the right thing to do, Steve. It's not and I don't think it's up to us at all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can't okay. disagree with that. <laughs> Alrighty. Then to all of our, our listeners, um, right? We don't for the love of God, Steve. Please tell me we don't have this as a video podcast, right? People can't see people can't see me as I'm making weird faces. Nobody can see us. Nobody's gonna look at us. Please, okay, please good. don't see us. So <laughs> don't look all, us up. <laughs> to all of our listeners, pay attention to the Instagrams, 
tentatively we will be doing the wall unless I come up with a significantly better idea. <laughs> but I do I do enjoy the wall. It is it is literally a trip. Yeah, I th- I think it'd be a good like um you know, pairing with this movie as a matter of fact because it's very open to interpretation. 100% musical. Not a lot of dialogue in that movie either, is there? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Whoa. So sure, and Lindsay, you had some musical movies in mind as well. What movies were you thinking about bringing to the, to the forefront? There's only ever been one movie for me that I want to watch with you guys, and that's Green Room. Right on. There's only been, I thought there was, I thought you had some other ones you were kicking around in your brain, but yeah, Green Room is a fantastic one. I almost kind of want to do that next, but I don't want to like take anything away from Nate with the wall. So we'll decide that as the time comes, but we'll definitely be doing both of those movies in the future. That sounds great. The green room and the wall, unless Nate thinks of something better than the wall. (laughs) And we will let you know if Nate thinks of something better. Alrighty. Like a smaller wall. (laughs) (laughs) The fence. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I had a lot more I wanted to say about this movie um, that just didn't come up in conversation. So who knows? I might have another guest on to do this movie again later because I really love this movie a lot. Like I said, five out of five stars all the way, even though it's a very, very flawed film. <laughs> but honestly, um, thank you very much for doing this. And Lindsay and I both send you our deepest regrets and apologies, Nate. Um, we still want to be your friend, and I hope that you will still be our friend too. I'm still, I'm still your friend, and I'm sorry for being a bit of a sourpuss about it. No, it's fine. I mean, <laughs> I, I wanted your honest opinion. I didn't want, didn't want you to come on here and lie and just be like, "Sure, Steve and Lindsay, I loved it." Now <laughs> on to y'all. but Lindsay, thank you for your enthusiasm too i'm glad you um i think it was you that gave me the idea for this movie inadvertently because we were talking about musical movies you drop you dropped a a jesus christ superstar quote in our comment thread i picked it up immediately and then i was like oh my god that is a musical movie it's my favorite movie of all time. It's like, yes, we should definitely do. It's not my favorite movie of all time. I should take that back. It's my favorite musical of all time. That is a true statement. Thank you yeah. very much, both of you guys, for doing this with me. Thank you. For yeah, no me. problem. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right. Originally, you were had picked a completely different movie, but as soon as I mentioned Jesus Christ Superstar, that's all you could think about. I started singing the songs in my head immediately. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, guys, y'all don't know, like before we had like phones and iPods and things like that, it was this cassette tape that got me through many, many road trips. Cause like this, this is like the album I can listen to no matter what kind of mood I'm in, no matter what state or whatever. And I will start singing along to it and forget all my worries. I mean, this is it for me. So I think, I think I've already like, you know, kissed this movie's butt enough this for this past (laughs) two hours. I've been loving it. Um, Nate, I want to give you a chance to for some plugs before we leave here. I know you've been working on some music with Voidmaster. Um, you got anything going on? Any uh, news for us? Um, nothing particularly new. 
just please follow void.master on uh, Instagram. Check out, we're on all the streaming services and our band camp, which is linked in our Instagram. Um, and just keep an eye out. We are about ready to get things rocking and rolling. So you will be probably getting a single from us sometime sometime probably around March, which seems not so far away. It is not so far away. This year is going fast. They say this is the fastest year on record so far. That's what the news told me. So how about, <laughs> but yeah, that we're is, looking for... <laughs> that is, okay. <laughs> but yes, we'll be looking for a new Void Master record. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to it because I've been listening to the same two or three Void Master albums for a long time now, and I'm ready for a new one. Lindsay, how about your... No, it's coming. Lindsay, done. Over there at one of my stories. Anything you got going on that you want to plug this week? Hmm. No, I, I don't. I'm, a, I'm sort of in a dead zone. We're, we're still transitioning out of Oscar season. And I'm, mm. I have a review I should have published a week ago. It still hasn't been done yet. So I don't have anything to plug today, unfortunately. Oh, that's okay. I'm sure that review might be out by the time somebody hears this who knows uh thank you very much for listening to jesus christ superstar with us you guys um we'll be back with some more movies as we've mentioned earlier and i think coming up next week is going to be my chicago music episode with james and corwin so please stay tuned to sweet child of chime and sweet child of chime and check that out lost my voice at the very end there (laughs) um I hope everybody always finds water and shade and shoes out there. Nate and Lindsay, appreciate you guys very much. Always find water, shade, and shoes, and good evening to you. Bye. See ya. See ya. <laughs>